Hello and welcome to the Old and Young Scrum with me, Samuel Baines, and my esteemed new co-host, Jason Duffy. Today, we are joined by Saints icon and, and amazing clubman, Alex Waller. We're also joined by the man who Quentin Newcomer described as the new face of the MLR, or more, the hair of the MLR, Carl Sparrow. This episode is brought to you by Diazza Sportswear, and we're proud to present it. How are you guys? Very good, mate. I'm not sure about Icon, but I'll take it. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm all, I'm all good. <laughs> Great intro. Great intro there. Thank you very much. How are you, Duff? Yeah, all good, mate. I'm excited to uh, just sit back and support you, dude. You've got a you've got a great ability, so it's uh, it's going to be an exciting little chat. Oh, thank you very much. Be blushing if you carry on. Uh, now we need to we need to jump straight into this, okay? We've got the Super Saturday of rugby coming up. We have got some of the most finest Test matches that you will find with England Australia. Obviously, there's a lot a lot of Australian talent in Major League Rugby. And Alex has played with both Andrew Kellaway and also England captain Courtney Laws and England finisher Lewis Ludlam. Kyle, what is there's a large Australian influence in MLR. How would you describe their play style? How would you describe that influence on the American rugby? Yeah, I think uh, we do get a lot of Australian coaches coming over to the to the MLR. Um, and a lot of them like to play this like league style type of rugby. Um, so it's a lot of out the back passing, uh, quick brucks, things of that nature. Uh, try to just play with ball in hand a lot of the time. Alex, you've played with a larger number of Australians. Some of the best Saintsmen of the last decade have been Australians. Obviously, Rob Horn, Andrew Kellaway. Is that? Do you find they have that same tendency? Yeah, mate. They're uh, a pretty pretty laid back. Um... Pretty laid-back guys, the ones that I've dealt with, Horney, Kells, um, Celesi, uh, although he's slightly Fijian as well as Australian, but um, pretty laid-back when it comes to day-to-day stuff, but uh, they got some flair and, and they don't mind showing it, although Celesi was more about throwing the left hook and the right hook, but <laughs> Horney, and, uh, Horney and Kells were, um, had some flair. Jump in on Kyle, like uh, Sam, you talked about the the Aussie influence, but like the Americans are like the emerging talent, and uh, they're, they're the scary sort of monster on the scene at the moment. Like, what what's the? How would you define the style of the American boys? Oh man, uh, everyone everyone's really physical as an American. Um, much like we just had to out brutalize everybody, pretty much. Um, but I think coming like everyone coming over and playing the MLR has been like a good melting pot for everyone to just grow a little bit in the game and like we're just taking little beats and pieces from everyone pretty much and just trying to make it our own yeah that's cool and it's like the cocktail of of styles until you find your own and like add to that physicality stuff Al which Americans have you played with mate which ones have influenced you uh probably the most well-known, Samu, Samu Minar, played with Sam for two or three years. Not very physical. He was the most physical man I've ever met, but um, yeah, intimidating. I'm glad I didn't have to play against him, I'll just put it that much, uh, the big man. It's, it's very interesting that we talk about that, because America are playing the French Barbarians this weekend. There's obviously, that, that's a great game for American rugby, it's a great development game. Kyle, are you going to be sitting down and watching that with the uh, with the lads, or is that one where you? Because I know your teammate, uh, Mitch. Is... Yeah, Mitch Wilson. He's playing. 
Um, yeah, I'd love to watch. Um, it's just like kind of a uh, shit with uh, US Rugby at the moment. Their all their streaming services is like 30, 40 bucks to to buy the one game. So um, it's pretty hard to watch rugby at the moment in in the states, especially USA Rugby. Like it'll be way easier to find England, Australia, or South Africa, Wales, um, or Ireland All Blacks. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll watch the USA game, but I'll definitely be watching those. Definitely watching something. So I've got a question for you both, Alex and Kyle and Duff. You'll know this yourself from your old playing days. How do you support a teammate before they go into international camp? Obviously, both of you got teammates who are in international camp at the moment. How do you how do you uh, do you talk differently to that player before? Is it the same kind of mindset, same kind of mentality? Mate, to be honest, they're international for a reason, mate. You don't need to give them a a pep talk. You know, the likes of Courtney or um, or any of the boys, Luds or you know, Hutch for Scotland or, you know, any of the boys, you don't need to give them a pep talk. Whilst they're at work with us, they're working with us. And then when they go away, they do their thing and come back. Likewise, slot back into the team pretty, pretty uh, smoothly. So that's, that's how it works with us anyway. Duffs, in your, in the earlier years of pro rugby, obviously, because you frequented earlier in the game's professionalism, was it slightly different? Was there a bit more of that pep talk element? Oh no, man! I was a baby. Like you, you taught me up as if like I, I did some amazing stuff. Like I was just lucky to have some experiences with some really world class people. I think Alex had mentioned something about you know them coming back into their environment smoothly. Um, but like I would ask that question to the boys around like their if their experience was a real high or a real low around international stuff. So if they had a bad game or a good game and it was highlighted in the press, like. How would you welcome them back into camp then? Like, you know, it's yeah. it's tough for them on the world stage. So is it is there a, is it just your friendship away from the club and a coffee and a beer or do the do the boys rally around them? I mean, yeah, it's we're still friends at the end of the day. So uh just try to be supportive as possible pretty much and just keep your normal relationship with whoever it is. Um whether it is, yeah, just going to grab a coffee or something like that, but I say just try to keep it as as normal as it has been in the past uh, before they went and played international tests as possible. Try to keep them uh, pretty normalized in an environment. If we if we now move more towards the actual game that's happening, you're obviously both front rowers, both immense props on the field. Carl, you fought your way into the number one position this year at New England for that position. You You won the most improved award as well, didn't you? What's a huge congratulations to you. Alex, you've obviously been dominating with that Batman uh, under armour for however long nowadays in that scrum doing the job how this scrum this weekend and I'm going to give this question to Carl first I don't I don't see the likes of I don't know if Tonelli Tapu is injured the Tongan four but he's not in that scrum and I had a question I put up questions onto both your supporters groups and somebody asked is is technique starting to eclipse power in the scrum or is power starting to eclipse technique? And Carl, I want to ask you that question first because you're obviously in a country that's emerging with rugby. So I'm guessing there might be a different stage to it compared to where Alex is. Um, yeah, I'd say our biggest thing that like we work on is definitely our technique. Um, and definitely, like we always talk about balance and, and how we set up. Um, that's pretty much like, 90% of the scrum one right there. Uh, if you have a good setup, like you're probably going to be in a good position when you when you hit on the engage. 
Um, so yeah, we really kind of drive home the technique and everything around that. Alex, would you say that's the same in the Prem or is there is there a difference? I think what you're finding now is you're getting these athletes, kids and, and players coming through that are, are powerful athletes and have got their technique now down. So I don't think it's one over the other. I think uh, you'll find still you get the occasional um, absolute monster of a man with poor technique who will get it right a couple of times, but you can definitely outwork that with technique. But most of the kids now that are coming through are pretty nailed on technique and power-wise. So there's some freaks, mate, coming through. And I think that's that's the way the game's going. You look at South Africa, for example, like their scrum's full of mutes, but uh, they're also pretty pretty uh, tied on with their technique. So um, I think gone are the days where it's just going to be one big man uh, pushing against another. It'd be uh, with zero technique. It's, it's lads now are tuning that up as well. It's been it driven home. Sam, so, could I ask a quick question to the boys? Of course. Just around like the, you know, forwards and props tend to get like a uh, big recognition when the scrum goes well. Uh, and I'm sure you appreciate the pats on the back. How much effort is it down to like the an eight-man scrum or front five, uh, you know, and what kind of stuff do you do around that stuff? For us at Northampton, the back five make or break the scrum, to be honest. When, when they're buying in, it's, it's brilliant and it makes my job easier. And then when it's uh, when they're switched off, you can tell the difference. So it's all about keeping them engaged, mate, because none of them are really that interested in the scrums. Like if we're honest, you know, um, they just they just want to get out, deal with lineouts, and and you know, back row want to hit people. So um, yeah, once they if they're bought in, which which we've seen the last couple of seasons, Ferg's really got buying into the scrum. Um, then then the scrum goes really well, mate. And if it goes well, then they're more in, inclined to engage. So. Uh, the back five make or break a scrum, in my opinion. Anyway. Have you ever had to have words with anyone? Yeah, a few times. <laughs> stud, stud length, uh, laziness, yeah, proper old man stuff. Get, get your flanker in his mouldies. Yeah, I had a second row, a young second row in mouldies at the end of the, I, I nearly, uh, nearly clocked him one. But... Kyle, any different from you, dude? No, I totally agree with all that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually uh, spot on there. You, you ever had words with anyone, Carl? Any of your locks? Oh man, we always we talk about it every week about our back five pushing uh, and getting in there. So hopefully, I hope it works. So, uh, so if we if we look at the back five, we've got some we've got some interesting news. Charlie Ewers is out from the England game against Australia this weekend, and he's been replaced by. Boy. Yeah, the Bristol boy is a young Bristol lad, and he's the second row there, the big old unit. Yeah. How do you think, how how much of a role do you think the second rows will play in the England-Australia game? Do you think it will be a predominantly forwards-based game, or do you think they'll be chucking everything out to the backs? Oh, mate, yeah. Um, mate, Aussies are pretty, pretty skillful as a whole. You know, they sort of... Um, grow up ball in hand. It's much more of a, a dominant sport than it is over here. Um, so like even you, you got second rows. I remember even Celesi when he played, he was pretty skillful with the ball when he got it. When he was, you know, so I think they'll play a flowing game. They've, they've got some big, big forwards as well, so they mix it up. They're pretty. Um, yeah, I know that's a pretty uh, beige answer, but I think they'll. Um, I think they'll mix it up, and that's that's why they're 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 well, they're sort of been struggling to perform of late. But I think this will be an interesting test, mate. There's a few. Um, 
there's a few old heads coming back into the frame for England and uh, Aussie are looking to you know get a bit of momentum leading into the next World Cup coming up. So um, I think it'd be interesting test. I'm actually excited to watch this one. So um, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, you're having your lovely testimonial lunch for the other test. What I'm sure a lot of people are excited for. Kyle, I know that you're you're in Boston. You're in New England, the beautiful part of America. Okay, there's a lot of people there who are of Irish descent. Okay, are you going to be what? Do you think you'll be watching the England Australia game, or do you think it'll be the Ireland All Blacks game? Oh man, I'll probably have to be flipping back and forth between each one. You know, just trying to get a little splash of of everything. Which one are you, you more? Know, which one are you more oh, excited man. for? Um. I'm really excited for the England Australia game because I think it's going to actually be a, a good game, and I think I think the All Blacks are going to destroy Ireland. So, um, yeah, I want to see a close tight game between England and Australia. Yes, I'm just talking. Go back to the Aussie um, the Aussie scrum. Like it used to be a bit of a joke once upon a time, the Australians trying to to scrummage and stuff. But they, they brought in a scrum coach called Petrus Duplessis, who I knew a long time ago called Para. It was at Saracens and, and did a bit around there. Like it'd be interesting to see. Like um, he puts up on his social media, you know, like all the quirky like head harnesses and neck exercises and back ex- shoulder exercises. How scientific is like your programs? Uh, for the moment around your scrummaging because it's gone like a little bit different and diverse around training instead of hitting 38 scrums in five minutes and hit them as hard as you can you know what extras are you guys doing for your stability and your strength and your proprioception and stuff kyle are you guys doing anything over in the us you guys are quite innovative i imagine yeah um yeah since we don't have like all the the world class facilities and everything um we gotta just kind of make do with what we've got. So we do a lot of band work uh, with our neck, a lot of neck, pretty much it is a lot of band work. Um, try to get a lot of weights in when we can on our backs, uh, things like that. Uh, mate, and you've not got world-class facilities yet. I mean, you're in America, <laughs> you will get them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, Al, what are you guys doing at Saints? Mate, Ferg's mad keen on all sorts. We've got harnesses and wall attachments bands everywhere like the bats walk by and go what the like it was like some weird like sex dungeon like just <laughs> like there's harnesses and like bands and everyone's in all sorts of positions but oh, mate, i i think there's, there's there's time and a place for all that but i think your, your basics has got to be crucial so your network your core strength you know and and uh getting your general strength all over but your core and your neck are, are two basic ones that are pretty worked on pretty hard for us anyway so um that's what's kept me going anyway so uh bend yeah. touch push dead hard yeah too much to being too flexible is a, a bad thing you know, i think anyway i find scrumming so interesting i go in i listen to the props talk whenever i'm training okay and it's i all I really hear is they push, I flank and I come off at the end and I just go and tackle something. But it's so it's become so complicated now in terms of that scrummaging. Kyle, how complicated is it for you guys? And do your halfbacks sit there with their minds exploding going, oh my God, what is going on here? Or are you guys just, are you guys just still like, let's just push and let's see what happens? Or is it now as intricate and as complicated as it could be? Nah, we try to keep it pretty simple, you know? Uh, so everyone can actually tune in and 
really respond. Uh, uh, so yeah, sim- simplicity I think works works best. Um, and just trying to just nail your basics pretty much. Alex, is that the same at Saints, or are you doing pi times r squared to figure out which way you've got to push? No, man. Like I said, basics is crucial. Uh, a good basics, um, and then you can tweak it a little bit depending on what you're facing at the weekend. So, um, but as long as your basics and everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet, that's that's generally what scrum is. As long as eight people are doing the same thing, if people start going on their own, that's where you get issues. So if Sam, we... you might want to be jumping off this scrum chat in a second, but just while I've got the boys frothing at the mouth, it's like you've seen the sort of developments of the scrum the last few years, you know, over the decades of like becoming safer and a little bit more, um, you know, officiated a bit differently and different rules and all the other stuff. What do you think the future of the scrum is? So at the minute, you know, you're, you're quite close on engagement. You know, you've got your commands that are changing probably weekly. What, what do you think? Do you think in 10 years time we're going to see the the game for everyone, the short lads, the wide lads, the tall lads, you know, in that scrum, or is it just going to be a, a 15 of centres? I hope not, mate. It'd be boring, wouldn't it? Um, mm. You know, rugby is inherently dangerous. That's the whole, that's why people watch it. Is you know, it's a combat sport. It's a physical sport. It's dangerous. That's the be all and end all. And you're never going to make rugby safe. That's you know, you can make it as safe as possible, but it's inherently you got 220 kilo men running flat out at each other. You know, it's a car crash in in, in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, I think that in, when it comes to the scrum, it's just, I think it's as safe as it's ever been. Um, I think there's you know there's all this stuff about the actual loading on the neck and and this and that and that, that you know that's all important. No one wants to see injuries made in the game, but you know um, there's only so much you can do. And, and I think we're at a point now where I think it'll probably stay like this for a few. Probably the foreseeable. I think we've we've sort of plateaued in terms of uh, adjustments for the scrum, but I could be wrong, mate. Who knows? I'm I'm just a you know I'm a piano pusher, not a player, so um, I'll just I'll just get I'll just do what I'm told. But I think at the moment it's it's in a pretty good place. If we can cut down the resets, which I think is uh, the main the main aspect rather than the safety, the reset resets. So um, yeah, mate, I think we're in a good place as a whole. Hopefully it doesn't change. We don't turn into rugby league, you know. Kyle, in the US, you've only got one scrum reset. Waller, would that be something you'd like to see in the Prem? Um, well, I didn't know about that, in fairness, with the MLO with the one reset. So that's an interesting concept, mate. I think it'd certainly um, avoid a little bit of the grey area when some people are, are, are pushing the boundaries a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know, Matt. I don't know if that's the answer. Um, I think because, you know, there's always a, there can be some genuine mistakes, but I can see why people get frustrated after two or three. So, yeah, I, mean, I think we'll see how it, it works over there in the MLR, see if that comes over, mate, because generally that's why they'll be trialling it, I imagine, is, is to see how it works and then it will filter out into the other leagues. So. Kyle, do you like the one set rule or do you want to be there doing 35 scrums every minute? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, right? Like you, you could see like genuine mistakes happen. Like Alex said, uh, like there are little things that could happen two scrums in a row, like someone slips or something. Um, and then someone gets free kicks right away after on the second one. So like it's tough in that aspect, but on the other hand, like it does speed the game up and keep the, like if you're not staying around for 30 scrums, uh, the crowd's getting disinterested and everything like that. Um, so for that aspect, I think it's really well, 
Um, it works for people that like seeing rugby played, not a million different scrums. So it's what, really what you're interested in. Uh, if I mean, if you like seeing a million scrums, then you're probably not going to like that role. But if you want to see a rugby being played, um, then you probably like it. So if we if we quickly move away from from scrummaging from that idea, I want to talk to you guys. You've both had similar stories this year in terms of club success. Both of you have got to semi-finals and have played your hearts out against and sadly come just second best to teams that are your some of your biggest rivals. Okay. Do you, Alex? Let's ask you about the Leicester game. How do you how do you feel after that kind of game? Well, mate, it's, it's frustrating to, you know, I think that at a point, um, you know, that game was there for the taking. Uh, you know, it's just the way it works. So sometimes, mate, I've, you know, you name it, I've lost it and I've, and I've won it, fortunately enough. So it's just it's just the way rugby goes. It's frustrating. And um, you can't dwell on it too much, mate. And that's the good thing about rugby. And, I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have a game the next week due to the fact it was a knockout rugby semi-final. But, you know, it starts next season now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a fresh start for everyone. As you've seen, Leicester were probably at the bottom of the league the season before and and now they've won it. So, it's a hell of a turnaround. But, you know, I think it, it was frustrating. I think we were definitely in a position where we could have won that had we taken all our chances. But, you know, you can't go on it too much. Learn from the mistakes and, and crack on, mate. Otherwise, you just drive yourself mad. That, that's a really interesting insight. I know that a lot of young players tend to dwell on their mistakes and that can re, be really bad, especially going into the off-season. Kyle, do you have the same kind of mentality towards your semi-final? Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was frustrating. Like we lost, like we had the best record in the league, like all the all the other stuff. Um, everyone predicted us to win, so like yeah, it's it's tough in that aspect. Like you feel like you let a lot of people down. Um, but at the end of the day, like I always have the mindset like shoulda, woulda, coulda. So like. Should have done something, could have done something, would have done something. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like the game's the game, so uh, just gotta get over it and just get ready for next season. After that game, I know both of you are quite out outdoorsy men. I see pictures of Carl and Quentin in New Zealand mountains, cuddling for uh, whatever reasons they're doing that. I don't know if, that, don't know if that's a post-game ritual. No, no. Alex, you and you and Woody go out and you you shoot and stuff like that, and you. You enjoy yourself in the wilderness and become one with nature. Did you do anything like that to decompress after the game? Oh man, uh, well we're in the city now, so uh, that's a little hard to get out. Um, and a lot of the boys left by the by that end of the week following that game. A lot of the boys already left and went home, um, so we got a lot of uh, admin to take care of there. Um, but other than that, yeah, we didn't really do much, but. Uh, it was interesting. Alex, did you and any of the boys go out and decompress in any way? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, it was the end of season, mate. There was there was a fair chunk of lads moving on, um, so we all, we saw them off properly. Um, had a had a few beers, some some legends of the game and the club leaving and retiring. So um, yeah, it was a couple of late nights, mate, and uh, a couple of late nights, a couple of beers, a couple of stories. You know, um, all the good stuff, mate. Why you play the game for those sort of moments, and uh, and then uh, yeah, like a week hangover, and then back to it. 
Sam, could I just jump in on that one, bro? Like, I mean, the two big games, massive games, is um, end of the season, knockout rugby, you lose, you're out. Do you ever review those games? Do you ever look back as a team and just think, like, you know, because it is the end of the season, you'll go out, get on the on the beers, holidays, family stuff, other stuff, move on to different clubs. But, you know, is there a, there's a case for, like, just put it in a vault, leave it, and never see it again and move on. But, like, is there stuff where you think, actually, we probably need to review some stuff and, and learn from it? Was there any big lessons? Kyle, do you want to hit us up? Um, yeah, I think it's more of, like, a feel, like, uh, how do you think you did? Um, I really don't want to get bummed down about it or anything. So, um, you just kind of have to have, like, an open open mind about it. I know me and a couple of other guys watched it uh, last weekend. So, um Nah, it's all good though. Like you just gotta go out there and see what what happened. Uh, just learn from your mistakes. So, Al, anything? Uh, <clears throat> mate, it's difficult difficult as a team because it's not the same team that's going to be there in five weeks' time. You know, it's a new team coming in with you know with 12, 15 lads leaving, and so there's no point reviewing that um, with with the new lads that come in really. So. There'll be aspects I'm sure the coaches will pick up on and they'll probably focus on that sort of stuff. I'm sure they've reviewed it, um, but there's no there's no team review, man. And lads generally, if they want to watch it back, I'm not really one of those. No, I'll watch it back. I'll, um, I'll, you know, what's done is done now and I'll uh, I'll crack on and get into the into next season. Uh, but once the season's done, especially at that point on the semi-final, you know, it's, not, it's just, right, the season's done, on holiday. It's a one-off now. game kind of thing. One-off game and, and get out. Anything can happen in semis, mate. As you've seen, we've we've been on both ends of the spectrum um, in those games where people weren't expecting us to win, and likewise, similar to Carl, when people were expecting us to win, we didn't quite pull it out of the bag. So it's just it's one of those, mate. Semi-finals or knockout rugby, anything can happen, and uh, it's just who turns up on the day and wants it the most in, in the end of the day. You you two seem to be quite similar characters, yet with with differences. Obviously, I think starting with the hair. But also there's other there's other differences. Uh, you've both got some some nicknames that I've been told I've got to ask about. I'm going to start with you, Alex. Your testimonial is called a boy named Sue. Why Sue? Um, well, it's my mum's name in a nutshell. Um, when I was young in the academy, my mum came to a uh, shirt sponsors afternoon without telling me, and just sort of turned up at work with the you know all the all the new big lads that I was trying to impress uh, as a fresh 18 year old in the academy and uh, the captain at the time uh, Dylan Hartley was chatting to the group of um, ladies that she was with and I was like ah oh, bugger I'm gonna have to go and introduce uh, introduce her here and I went Dill this is my mum Sue Sue this is Dill and he just gave me a little look and then uh, that was it from then on in uh, Sue the boss everyone DOR head coach all called me Sue and to be fair now. I don't really answer to Alex when anyone says it. It's just uh, it's Sue all the time. Okay, we'll call you Sue for the rest of the podcast. Kyle, where does the eagle come from? I know you're also known as Pot Roast, and I've got a feeling that that's pretty more of a childhood nickname. Where does the eagle come from? Uh, yeah, I was um, when I first started the Free Jacks, I was just staying in the hotel with all the other guys from all over the world, and I was just showing them. They're showing them the ropes in the U.S. 
Um, and pretty much, yeah, they just called me the Eagle because I looked like everyone that they thought was uh, like how they pictured America. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I came to get it. And pot roast, where does that one come from? Uh, that's from that's from uni. Uh, just came up one day, a bunch of the seniors just thought that's what I should be named. So just stuck from there on out. No one else called me Kyle from there. It was just pot roast. Darth, have you got any cool nicknames? No, mate. And if I did, it wouldn't be. Uh, they're not suitable for this podcast, let me tell you. My two yeah. names stuff, they tend to be four letters. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, mate. All behind my back. Guys, I've got a book of questions here from from people. Okay, I've got I've got one. I'm going to ask both of you this. And one is, what is the hair routine? I feel like I need to ask. Oh, man. I think we'll start with Alex because he he's obviously got the locks. The locks, the hair routine. Jeez, uh, there isn't one, mate. That would be the uh, if it's muddy, it gets washed. If not, I just shower. If it smells, it gets washed. You know, it's just it's, so there's no routine. A a push. It's as and when, yeah. Bit of wax, or whatever. Depends on who I'm seeing. Or generally, just whack a hat on. Uh, it's generally disabled. <laughs> Carl, I've got a feeling yours might be a little bit different. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Just a little shampoo and conditioner. Um, that's pretty much it. Like nothing, nothing really goes into it that that crazy. I got I got told that I had to ask that question by about half New England, so you know <laughs> I, I felt I felt like I needed to ask both of you for that one. Uh, they also gave me another great question, and that is what made you want to go pro? What what made you want to go pro, Duff? This obviously also applies to you for your time spent at Sale for your you two lovely games. Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. What made you want to go pro? Because I know you faced adversity through the academy system. You told us about the time that you were dropped last time you were on the podcast. And how you spend your weekends texting and knocking on doors of all the Saints coaches to get back on that field. But what made you want to go pro? Um, to be honest, I, I, I was um, when I was 16, I'd, I'd signed up to uh, join the military. Uh, I wanted to leave school and join the military, and uh, I, I broke my leg playing rugby, so that halted that. And then um, I sort of got picked up on. Northampton a little bit more seriously, got a, an insight into what being a professional was like and a, a little you know, snap, a snapshot of that world. And I thought, actually, give that a crack. That uh, seems pretty cool. And uh, rather than being shot at or blown up, which, uh, you know, is it, you know, our job is the easier one out of those two, for sure. Uh, so I thought, mate, I, to be honest, I, um, I, I took, saw a glimpse in that. I'm very fortunate that where. I live obviously in North in Northampton. We have a, a Premiership rugby team within within the county, so um, I saw them about on these these sort of giants of of blokes who were just sort of uh, cruising around, and I was like, that sounds that looks pretty cool. I'll try that for a bit, and then uh, it's it's gone all right, mate, so far. So the military career is uh, well and truly uh, disappeared, and uh, I'm sticking to scrums, mate, rather than uh, shooting anything other than. Deer. I notice how you how you refer to the Saints as work. Do you see it as as just a job now, and did you always see it as that, or is it still this this place of glee of childhood, boredom kind of like dreams? No, it is work. It definitely is work. But I think there's there, you know there's a negative connotation because a lot of people do work that they don't enjoy. Um, this for me is you know the best job that I could ever wish for. I go to work with fifty of my mates. Um, you know we we work hard, but it's always there's always good fun and. Uh, 
you have to you have to approach it as work because it's a professional environment and a professional job. It's not just a jolly or uh, going down um, your local club and having a play for fun. This is you know pretty serious, uh, pretty serious games. Obviously, it's not life and death, but you know it's serious. There's a lot of um, a lot of pressure and uh, essentially it's a livelihood. So you know been fortunate enough to, to earn a living from this for the last 15 years and want to continue for a few more so I've got to keep these standards high mate. Kyle do you do you see it as work and, and what made you want to go pro? Yeah I totally agree with Alex like you got to like you have to want to come in and want to have to actually do the work to be there um, and you have to commit to it because like you really couldn't if at the end of the day if you don't do the work like you're not going to you're not going to go anywhere and you're just going to get cut and be back doing whatever you were originally. Um, but yeah, the reason I wanted to go pro is just because I love competing. Um, and I just like competing. I see where it takes me. So yeah, I just started doing that. Um, it's pretty much my mindset. I just want to compete and be better. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the main reason. And then just don't have any regrets. Like this opportunity came into my life. Um and just kind of want to see where it took me. So yeah, that's that's why I pretty much pursued it. Alex said if he wasn't doing rugby, he said he'd he'd be in the army now, or that that's what he'd applied for. Where where do you see yourself if you weren't playing rugby? Oh man, I have no I have no idea. Uh, probably be doing some finance job uh in New York City or something like that. But yeah, that's probably where I'd be at. Okay. Duffs, what made you want to go pro? Um, good question. Probably same as uh, Kyle a little bit. It was competitive. Um, I always wanted to be the best. Um, and then was really lucky. I think I got lucky uh, with like some really cool, inspirational role models that uh, and people that just really cared for me and, and wanted to give me a platform and and to do some stuff and to just achieve more. Um, and there was a little bit of influence from my old fella who sort of like guided and nurtured, but didn't take any rubbish or messing around. So if he was to drive me up and down the country every week, he wanted to know that I was taking it serious. And yeah, I, I love the game. So we, we talked before about it should should always be a game for every shape and size and accessible to everyone. I just loved it. It was just completely different because I'd come from a football background into a rugby background and like they were chalk and cheese and I knew which one I wanted to be in. Yeah. Kyle, we've uh, we talked about it. you're quite you're quite young into your career. What what are you? 20 24? Yeah, I just turned 25. Just turned 25. Alex Alex has been around. He's he knows the ropes. He he's a man who is educated in the game beyond most beliefs. He knows about the scrum in ways that the scrum doesn't even know around the scrum. Okay. The scrum doctor. He is the scrum doctor. Um, no. No, no, not the no. scrum doctor. No. <laughs> he's more like he's more like the scrum coroner nowadays. Uh, Kyle, if you were to meet Alex and you were to train with him, do you think how? How much knowledge do you think you'd be able to pick up from him? Because he's obviously an immense figure in his scrums and in what he does. Uh, yeah, I'd probably learn a lot. Um, I don't really. <laughs> it'd just be interesting. Like I've never uh, seen anybody like that. Like if 
scrummed against people like that. I don't know if they're as good as Alex, but um, yeah, it'd just be awesome just to learn. I always like learning how different little techniques and everything, how everyone else does it. So um, yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be interesting. Would it would it be something very be- beneficial for someone like the New England Free Jacks to come and play against an English side, maybe in a preseason friendly, to see the, the quality, the differences, and the just the Obviously, England's got a lot more experience in rugby compared to the US, you know, because the US is emerging to it and it's going to be a dominant force. We know that. We look at the athletes that they produce for all other sports and it's crazy. Uh, do you think that'd be really beneficial to you? Yeah, it definitely would be beneficial because then you get all these guys from all the other countries that see that and they're like, oh, like the the league's doing this now. So it's, it looks a lot better and people will would be interested in doing something like that. Um, but it also gives American players uh, a lot more experience. And I think it pushes, uh, like in the grassroots rugby, it pushes for people to want to play and play professionally because they see them going overseas and playing other professional teams. So I think it would be all around would be really good. Alex, I know that you, uh, I believe you played against America for England Saxons, didn't you? Uh, no. Do you not? No, okay. No. I'm wrong there. Sorry. Uh, do you so think it would be? Do you think it'd be very beneficial to the Saints? Do you think it'd be good fun to go on tour to the States to go and play some of these American teams? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, any tour is a good tour, mate. And uh, <laughs> where better to go than America, mate? So, um, yeah, mate. I think you know, as a whole, all jokes aside, I think it'd be it'd be great for the game as a whole just to expand it. Um, you know, give uh, a sort of expedition game and then, you know, whether leagues combine like the South African have done with uh, the European competition this year, um, whether we, we get a couple of uh, American teams in there as well, that would be pretty, like sort of almost a world league um, would be pretty handy. Whether it happens before I retire or not, probably not, but uh, maybe I can get on the back of a, a trip with a, as a ball boy or something. Sure, if that happens. Sam, I think the boys might the boys might be able to confirm for us like the modern day uh, professional rugby player like you have to have a curious mindset and an open mindset around like just thinking about stuff differently. So like whenever they go into different environments, I'm sure, or even in training and new players coming in, like you'd always be picking brains on little bits and cues and tips and stuff like that. Is do you just have those soft conversations around the club and? Uh, around training and that yeah uh yeah you always I think at the end of the day like you're all working for the same goal so it is those tough conversations like even if it might not help that person like it might help everyone else succeed so might as well just have those everyone learn those little tips and cues because at the end of the day it benefits everybody yeah cool Alex does Ferg have you all around a campfire Kumbaya scrums. Uh, we've actually got a pretty uh, good unit as a, as a front row group. Um, it's probably twelve of us in in the squad, twelve front rows across all positions, all three three positions, and yeah, we've got a pretty good group. We all we all uh, sort of hang around. We're probably the closest closest cell group. We call them cell groups where we are. Um, so everyone's helping each other out. There's no real uh, position hating or animosity between teams and uh, between. Lads are selected and lads who aren't, so um, it's pretty good, mate. We also, you know, if anyone's late as well, there's always a Krispy Kreme, a tray of Krispy Kremes that need to be bought for the boys, so that helps them around a fair chunk. But, um, 
Yeah, mate, it's, like I said, it's all everyone trying to benefit each other. You know, there's no point in, I've been in teams or been with players that are quite reserved or held back or, you know, I'm not going to give you that secret one, really. They've not invented the wheel. Everyone sort of knows it. They'll find out eventually, so you might as well just share it. And then, then the other thing, Sam, like I did a tour, I played against USA A in New York, hot, sweaty, uh, which was pretty cool uh, a long time ago. And the American athletes are phenomenal. You know, they come from lots of different sports. They they are incredible. I think what an interesting challenge would be if you uh, if you did a preseason off and you tested against a different continent. You know, around your physical stuff, your aerobic, anaerobic, your SNC uh skill sets like that would be pretty cool you know if you could measure some stuff it's, um you know just as a, a comparison around stuff talking about comparisons I've, I've got a lot i've got last few questions here for you guys this is this is one for kyle i've then got one for alex and i've got a big one to finish it all off kyle what team do you think free jacks are most like out there in the world whose style are you most similar to oh man um I don't even know because we have a Kiwi coach and a Safa coach and somehow they get along really well together. So um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I don't even know. Like they kind of just, they love, uh, we love playing turnover attacks. So that's like our big main focus is trying to play really good defense, trying to make the attack force an error and play off a turnover. Um, so that's like kind of our MO. Um, but yeah, I really really wouldn't know who we'd play well, like. Okay. Alex, my question for you is, and it leads into my next question for both of you, do you play any other sports growing up besides from rugby? Yeah, man, I didn't, I didn't play rugby till I was 14. Um, I used to play a lot of basketball, um, football, um, some extra curricular activities that probably got me in trouble, a lot of fighting, but, um, yeah, mate, when I was uh, basketball and football were my main ones and uh, I wasn't too good at either of to be honest, so uh, I chose the rugby. <laughs> I had a very similar conversation with, with Steve Thompson not too long ago about his basketball career. He says it's one of the best sports to prep you for rugby. Carl, I know you played ice hockey. I know you played American football. And Duffs, I know you came from a football family as well. This soccer association football. Needs to make that difference here today. Uh, if... If you were to create a 15, okay, a world 15 to play rugby out of other sports, what sportsman would you take? Alex, you're looking at me like this is the hardest question in the world, and to be fair, it is. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to name full 15 or just a, a person? I tell, tell you what, you do the scrum, Carl can do the backs. Jesus Christ. From um, other sports. I'll do the coach. Shall I do the coach? Yeah, you do the coach, Doss. I'll kick us off. I think golf would be a pretty good sport to sort of like have an influence on strategy and tactics and all the other bits. So I'd go on like Tiger would be the boy, wouldn't he? Okay. Alex, if you were to have number one as your prop. Um, I don't know. I've just, I've just literally looked this up, mate, and I'm just having a look here at what people are saying. But... Um, I do quite like the loose head is John Cena. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be to be fair, this might have been a bit unfair. Like, yeah, you put Alex, me played, Alex, Alex played. They're probably going to make better backs. Carl, you played ice hockey and and uh, American football. 
Who are your forwards? Because I know you definitely, you've probably got someone there who you're thinking of. Oh, man. Um, probably go for someone like Aaron Donald in the front row. Like, he's a yeah. pretty big, big guy. Um, and then probably, like, get someone like Gronk or something. He could play probably either eight or, or lock. He's pretty tall. Probably maybe some basketball players. Um, oh, man. And then probably back lines, probably all foot, like all fast wide receivers in football or something like that. And maybe like uh running back in football. Um, yeah, probably my main ones would probably be either football or basketball. Kyle, you should just go to four by one hundred meter relay team for the US, right? Just yeah, put them in. Yeah. There's that four places done. They can go there. There you go. I feel like it's been a very interesting conversation. That last question is by far the most difficult that I think I've ever asked any guest. And it's one that I do like to spring on people because people people have to think a lot about the rugby skills that are convertible. And I think we see that a lot in the MLR because I watched the Alex Corbisano series, you know, Alex, your old teammate. And that is such an interesting series to see what he does with the, the lads that he takes over. Uh, I need to say a massive thank you to all you. You've come onto this podcast today. You've given up... 40 minutes of your time for me to to ask you questions and pretty much harass you for for three quarters of an hour. Uh, first off, massive thank you to you, Carl, coming in from the States and to you, Alex. I know it's late and you've got little ones the same with you, Duff. Thank you very much for coming on today. Well done, Sam. No problem, mate. Appreciate it. Lovely to meet yeah, you, Carl. Yeah, look, hey, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's awesome. So, everyone, we're going to sign out from the scrum now. We're going to sign off. It'll be a cheeky pick and go and we're away. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Diazza. And also remember to go check out Alex's testimonial and also Kyle's highlights that I'm sure are out there with the amazing hair and the more even more amazing rugby. Uh, if you want to listen to Duff's, I'm sure he's been on other things. Just look him up. He's probably everywhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone. I'm Samuel Baines and we're signing out.